regular at Lockwood, you know that uh, we're a Bible-teaching church. We love the scriptures. We search the scriptures. Just about every week, I take a passage of scripture, and we exposit it. We, we find what's there in hermeneutically uh, authentic, genuine ways, and then we apply that to ourselves. So we dig into a text, and that's where we stay. And then we look at what that means for our lives. Um, that's not what we're going to do today. <laughs> we're going to do something different. Uh, it's still going to be a biblical sermon. Once in a great, great while, I preach a topical sermon. So uh, topical sermons are easy to say whatever you want to say in, so you have to be really careful when you're preaching topically. And the topic I've taken today is a big one, God. Okay, you don't get any bigger than that, right? I want to, I want to declare your name. This is Psalm 22, 22. I want to declare your name, God, to my brothers and sisters. In the congregation, I will praise you. So let me give you a little background to what I'm going to do today. Uh, I've had trouble sleeping for years. I don't sleep well. Um, arthritis and whatever else it comes with age. And so I'm often awake at night and sometimes for hours. And I used to get up and work. But then, you know, if you work for two or three hours in the middle of the night, you feel pretty lousy the next day. So I taught myself to stay in bed. And one of the things I would do when I was laying there awake was praise God. And I would think about who he is and, and go through... A, um, qualities that represent him. So what I would do is start with the letter A and go to the letter Z. And sometimes I'd be falling asleep by the time I got to L. You know, I just doze off, and that's a good way to doze off, praising God, right? Sometimes I'd go to the letter Z and still be awake. So I would start over again and find different words that start with different letters. And I got to tell you, when you get to X, <laughs> when you get to Q, really, but X and Z, those are hard words. So sometimes I would make up words so I could get my list done. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I was in, uh, at Pokagon. I left before dawn. I went down to Pokagon, and I spent the first half of the day in prayer. And when I got done reading Scripture and praying, I went on a praise walk. I walked around for several miles just praising God, and I did what I often do at night. I took a letter of the alphabet, and I started there, and I went through that, and I praised God from A to Z. And it was such a worshipful time for me. I came back and was encouraged in my heart that this is the God who I serve and whom I worship. And so as I was then later writing down things that I thought God was doing and speaking to me, I just felt compelled to do the same thing with you, to share A to Z. So that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to give you adjectives that describe God from A to Z. I'll not just give you one from each letter. I'm going to give you more than 10 dozen words. Okay, you can find them on the front of your bulletin. And here's what I'd like you to do. If one or more sort of speak to you, and you know what I mean by that? There's a sort of, for lack of a better word, a quickening about it. Something that, that you respond to and resonate with. Have you ever 
seen a tuning fork and you ever see them when they come together you get this um, I don't know what you would call it but there's this resonance between them sometimes that happens when God's spirit speaks to us there's a resonance as that happens for you today circle that word or mark it in some way and then after the service think through it maybe during the week and praise God for who he is there see what he wants to say to you about himself so starting with the letter A let me give you some words. The first word is able. God is able. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? He says through the prophet Jeremiah. And Jesus himself said, what's impossible with men is possible with God. God is able. That means whatever your situation right now, that morass that you think is absolutely impossible, I'll never get through, God is able to bring you through. And on the other side, he is He's able. He's accessible. Okay? You and I <clears throat> bipedal, carbon-based mammals can contact and connect to the eternal, immortal, invisible God. He's accessible. He is, here's a third A, alienated. And I mean by that that God, for reasons explained in the Bible, has become alienated to us and us to him. He's like a parent whose kids have rebelled and gone off on their own and are ruining their lives. And there is some distance between us and him because of that. He's alienated. He's amazing. He's ascendant. He's above all things. He's astonishing. He's awesome. Think of the most awesome thing you've ever seen. And my mind goes to this view at Yosemite. We're looking out over the mountains, and it's just unbelievable. You think, is that even real? It's just unbelievable. And now imagine that God reveals himself in that place. He is so awesome that the mountains disappear. And you say, oh, my God, he's awesome. He's beautiful. I often think of a line of the singer-songwriter Jackson Brown. He sings, Words and music can never touch the beauty that I've seen looking into you. God is beautiful, ravishing. I should have included that word in my R's, but I didn't. He's benevolent. Okay, that's Latin for willing good. He's not willing that any should perish, St. Peter says. He doesn't willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone, says Jeremiah in the Lamentations. That's not what God does. He wants what's good for you. He chooses what's good for you and me. Now, you and I can go through some really hard things because we live in a broken world, but know this, God wills what is good for you and for me. He is blessed, the most blessed being in all creation. He is boundless. He has no limits. He is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. He is the smartest being in all the universe. He's caring. So we're at letter C now. He's caring. He is changeless. Speaking of heaven and earth, the psalmist says, they will perish, but you remain the same and your years never end. Wouldn't that be boring? Not if you're the infinite God. Be it boring is not one of the words that fits under be with God. God has never been bored, and he's never bored anyone. He is comforting. 
He is communicative. This is one of the great truths about God. He wants to be known. Sometimes we keep things in and we don't want people to know. God wants to be known. He shares himself and his mind. When his eternal son took human form, what was he called? How was he described? It's described as the word. Because God is communicative. He wants to be known. He is co-worker. Co-worker, God? Who is God co-worker with? With us. Or better to say, he allows us to be co-workers with him. Paul uses the phrase God co- God's co-worker or co-workers three times, speaking about people like us. We get to be co-workers with Almighty God. It's mind-blowing. He is D, letter D, dazzling. He is discreet. God's way is not shock and awe. God's way is love and win. He's discreet. He's dependable. He's determined. He is different. Okay? God is different from you and me. You thought, this is what God says through the psalm, you thought that I was altogether like you. And what he's implying is, I am not. I am not like you. We sleep. He doesn't sleep. We grow old. He does not. We are limited. He is boundless. We are inconsistent. He is 100% consistent. We are broken. He is whole. We are ignorant of so many things, most things in the universe. He knows absolutely everything. We are sinful. He is holy. Letter D, or letter E. He is, and, and this, this one I'll have to explain. He is economical and he is excessive. And this is what I mean. He hands out sunsets like penny candy. He's just here, 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 here. He gives his grace without measure. And yet his byword is let nothing be wasted. I'll give you so much. Use everything I give. He's encouraging. He is energizing. And you and I can actually experience that. We can experience God's energy. St. Paul did. He said, I labor struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. His energy in me. We can experience that too. He's energizing. And I already referred to this when I was back in the letter A's. He is estranged. Now, I said he is holy and we're sinful. That has caused a distance between us and God. Now, God is accessible. We can come to him, but we can't come to him however we choose, as if we were his equals or his allies. The prophet says, your iniquities have separated you from your God. Though he's accessible, if we come to him, we come to him on his terms, not on our own. And that's something that, and this New Age era that we live in, people have missed. People think, I can just go to God however I choose. In Sunday school class the other day, Kevin quoted the song that says, Come just as you are to worship. And he mentioned that the whole book of Deuteronomy, the theme is probably, don't come to God just as you are to worship. He's different than we are. Now, that doesn't mean you can't come to him 
There you have to be somebody different before you can come, but it does mean you come on his terms. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. He is eternal. Okay. Letter F, he's fair. If you ever thought God isn't fair, if you said that life is not fair, God is fair. Absolutely fair. He is faithful. He will never renege on a promise, never go back on his word. He is fatherly. That's a huge one. If you grew up with a dad who was not much of a dad, this might be hard for you. But God is fatherly. Jesus taught us that the God who has been estranged from us is our father, and he wants to be related to as our father. Jesus even used the word Abba, which means something like dad. Still letter F, he's first. And I mean by that, he is before all things. All things come from him. He started everything, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. You are here because of God. He comes first. He always comes first. If you're Jesus' follower, you're his follower because of God. In all things, he is first. He's forgiving, doesn't hold a grudge. If we're not forgiven, it's not because of him. He loves to forgive. God loves to forgive. Read Luke chapter 15 sometimes. God loves to forgive no matter what you've done, no matter who you've become. God can forgive and make things right. If you, O Lord, the psalmist says, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you, there's forgiveness. Therefore, you're feared. We pay attention to you because there really is forgiveness with you. We're not lost forever. Letter G. God is generous. God is gentle. God is gentlemanly. And what I mean by that is, He doesn't push his way in. He doesn't abuse your rights or flout your desires. He gives you authority to run your life, and he respects that authority, even when you misuse it. He's gentlemanly. He is glorious. He is good. He is gracious and graceful. In Greek, we use two words. They use one. The God who is gracious is also graceful. And everything he does. He is, so here's one in the middle of the night you come up with when your brain isn't working right. He is geostrategic. He's not strategic for us while forgetting about other people. Say people in China or people in Mali. He makes all things work together for good all around the world, all around the universe. There are trillions. Really, there's more than that. There's something like, this is what one physicist says, 10 to the 120th power things in the universe. So we're talking about little things like gluons and leptons and neutrinos, but 
10 to the 120th power, if you want to picture that, put a 1 and then put 120 zeros behind it. The universe is huge. There are so many variables that it is not calculatable. And yet God is involved in making all of them turn out right. That's how powerful the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is. Letter H, God's happy. God's the happiest being in the universe. God is hidden. Most of the time, we can't see him, and we don't know what he's doing. He is historical. So unlike the thousands of other so-called gods, one has entered into history. The Bible's full of time notes. When you read the Bible, look at all of the time notes. Uh, in the year King Uzziah died, this is Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, I saw the Lord. It was in that particular year. It was when Caesar Augustus issued a decree when Quirinius was governor of the Syrian province and the census was taken that the word became flesh. God with us entered history. He's historical. He is holy. That is our, our only hope. And that is our immediate problem because we are not, but he is holy. He is, I know this is gonna sound strange, a strange word to use for God. He's humble. What else would you call one? Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself. And he did not act this way in spite of the fact that he was in very nature God. He acted this way because he was, in very nature, God. This is what God, the maker of heaven and earth, is like. The word humble is inadequate, but it may be the best we can do. He's humble. Letter I, he's illuminating. The psalmist says, in your light, we see light. When we're out of your light, everything goes dark. He is imminent. That means he's present everywhere in everything. He is present right down to the building blocks of all matter. He can ride on a spinning quark and doesn't juggle neutrino, dozen neutrinos and never be one iota smaller than he is. He's imminent. He is immutable. He never changes. He's imperturbable. He never worries. That thing you're going through, God is not biting his fingernails. He never worries. He is incomprehensible. Our deepest, most brilliant thoughts about him barely scratch the surface of his infinite depths. He is independent. He answers to no one. He is God. Letter J, he is jealous. Okay? He wants you for his own. He wants you for his own the way a good husband wants his wife for his own and doesn't want to share her. He wants you for his own the way a good wife wants her husband for her own and doesn't want to share him. Oprah Winfrey's uh, pastor preached a sermon from, from the Old Testament and said that God is a jealous God, and Oprah Winfrey that day decided she wasn't going to be a Christian anymore. She walked away because the preacher said he was jealous. And you know what? God's not only jealous for us. He's jealous for his place as God. But understand what that means. God is jealous for his place the way a pilot of a commercial Boeing 777 is jealous for his seat. He doesn't want somebody like me coming and taking his seat, and you don't either. 
When people try to take God's place, the result is always catastrophic. Not for God, but for his people. And that's what the Bible means when it says that he's jealous. Praise God that he's jealous. It's a wonderful thing. No green-eyed monster, but a trustworthy pilot. A husband who really loves his wife. A wife who really loves her husband. God is jealous. He is joyous. Joy wells up in him. Joy overflows him. He is just and he is judge. Now that's something that's all but dropped out of the contemporary theological scene, but it hasn't dropped out of the Bible. I am so glad that God is judge, and you ought to be too. It is our only hope that things will ever be put to rights. Our only hope. By the way, read the Psalms. Get in the 90s. Psalm, read the Psalms through the 90s and see what, what they understood that to mean. They, they praised God because he was the judge. They understood how wonderful that is. Okay, letter K. He is kind. He is kind-hearted. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He is kingly. He's the king. He is knowledgeable. He knows everything. He knows what you're thinking right now. Knows everything. Letter L. He is last. I said he was first, but he's also last. All things are not only from him, they are to him. He is the goal of all creation, its fulfillment and its home. And because he's last, he gets the last word. He is limber. This is one of those words that comes in the middle of the night when you can't think of any else. He's limber, and this is what I mean by that. He can bend around our choices and still fulfill his own. He can actually give us free will, allow us to make real choices that make a real difference, and still get what he wants. He's that good. He is light. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. He is loving. God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. He is life-giving. Now, when I came to this one, I had enough else. I thought I might use the Greek word. The Greek word is zoopoein, but I can never say that word. I just can't get it out. I wanted another Z. That's why I was going to use it for Zs. That means he is life-making or life-doing. He's life-giving. In him was life. And that life was the light of the world. Letter M. He's majestic. He is materialistic. Okay, that's going to require a little explanation. Strange thing to say about God. He's not materialistic in the philosophical sense of the word. So if you took college philosophy classes, you understand what philosophical materialism is. He's not like that at all. Um, he's not materialistic in the sense that he's greedy for things. I say he's materialistic because he loves matter. He loves rocks and trees and people and the stuff they're made of, quarks and gluons and electrons and protons and neutrons and the four forces that hold everything together. Some writers and theologians have suggested that Satan despises matter and the lowly beings that depend on it, but God loves it. He's musical. I like that one. God is musical. On the day when creation came into being, what happened? 
the sons of God sang. He's merciful. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. He is mighty. He is motherly. I said he was fatherly, but he's also motherly. Can a woman forget her nursing child or fail to have compassion on the the baby she's born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. No mother ever felt more protective, more compassionate to her child than God feels towards his children. Mothers are the way they are because God made them to be like him. He is, letter N now, near. Okay, nearer than the quarks and gluons and electrons and protons and neutrons that make up your body. He's nearer. He is noble. He is nourishing. He is numinous. You can look that one up when you get home. Letter O, he is offended. The God who is estranged has been offended. Offended by our rebellion, our sins. Offended the way any loving father would be offended by a child who rejects him and leaves him. He is omnipotent, all-powerful. He is omnipresent, present everywhere. He's omniscient, all-knowing. He knows everything. He is open-handed. What I mean by that is he says yes whenever he can. Some of you have had moms and dads who said no as their default position. Can we go to the... No. No. Can I have no? Everything was no until you could convince them that it was yes. God's not like that. God says yes whenever he can. He's open-handed. He is, letter P now, panoptic, meaning he sees everything, everywhere, all at once. He sees what's going on in our homes and in the dust clouds of Mars simultaneously. He is, as Hagar said in Genesis 16, the God who sees me. He sees. The prophet said, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole world, seeking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. He sees everything. He is patient. That's one of my personal favorites. When I worship God, I often think, you have been so patient with me. You are so good. He is peaceable. He is perfect. God's a perfectionist. Did you know that? We think of perfectionism in a negative light, but only because no human can be perfect, and the perfectionists we know usually drive us crazy. But God can be perfect, and he will have everything be perfect. He is personal. He relates to us personally. He is, this is one I like, he's punctual. God has never been late. He's never been early. He is always right on time. Isaiah 60, 22 says, in its time, I'll do this swiftly. I won't do it until it's time, but in its time, I'll act. He's punctual. Letter Q, he is quick. I just mentioned that. Quick as lightning. He is quiet. A still, small voice. I had a professor in college who had a friend who was in the Marines who was an atheist, and he used to try to get a crowd of people together whenever he could and try to prove that God didn't exist. And he'd always end by saying, look, if there's a God, he can prove it. He can prove it right now. 
If there's a God, let him strike me dead right now. And then when lightning wouldn't fall, he would say, see? But God's quiet. That's not what he's like. And my professor once leaned over to the guy and said, just give him time. <laughs> Letter R, he's ready. He never loses a step, he's ready. He is reconciling, that's an important one. He will reconcile all things in heaven and on earth to himself and to each other. He is redemptive, he's relational, he's renewing, he is, and I say this one cautiously because it could be understood, resistible. I could have in the eyes put he's irresistible and been true. But what I mean by this is he's resistible because he chooses to be. He will let you ruin your life if you insist on it. But if you don't, he will, next one, restore you. He's restorative. The Lord is my shepherd, the psalmist says, and goes on to say, he restores my soul. He is, letter S, sacrificial, and that is he is self-sacrificing. He is saving. He's the Savior. He is searching. Remember, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth. He is secret and silent. That's Matthew chapter 6. If you want to look it up, he's secret and silent. He is spiritual. It's one of the great truths about God in the Bible. God is spirit. So we've said three times in the Bible, the Bible says God is something. God is spirit. God is light. God is, you know what the other one is? Love. Yes. He's spiritual. Letter T. He's tactful. Oh, I've got to hurry up here. Uh, he's transcendent. The God who can ride on a spinning quark is also transcendent and can hold a spinning galaxy in his hand. Who's measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with one breath of his hand marked off the heavens? That's God. He's triumphant. He wins. He's triune. That blows our mind. He is three persons but one being. And by the way, we don't know that in heaven there aren't beings that are one being and two persons or one being and four persons. The, the world is, there's more to it than has been dreamt of in our philosophy. He is trustworthy. You can trust him absolutely. Letter U, he's unafraid. He is unchanging. He is unexcelled. He is unfathomable. He's unflappable. And he's unstoppable. Letter V, he's victorious. He is verbal, vocal, voluble. Remember, he's the God who communicates with people. He's vibrant. He's vulnerable. Now, that requires a little comment. God is not threatened by anyone or anything. He is so far above the powers of heaven and earth that nothing can hurt him. Sometimes people kind of picture, here's God and here's the devil. No, 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 it's not that way at all. Here's God. He is not threatened by anything, and yet he became a man by his choice. He became vulnerable. He suffered poverty, misunderstanding, hatred, torture, and death. He became vulnerable for us and for our salvation. That's what he's like. He is wakeful, letter W. He who watches over you will not slumber or sleep. He doesn't sleep. He is waiting, Isaiah 30, verse 18. Yet the Lord, the NIV will say, longs to be gracious to you, but it's exactly the same word the NIV translates wait later in the verse. He waits. Can you imagine the God of Heaven and earth waits for you, but he does. 
He's welcoming. If you come to him, he won't turn you away. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away, Jesus said. He's wise. He's worthy. Letter X. He is a xenophile. Okay, I made that one up. He's a xenophile. So that's made of two Greek roots. I am hoping it catches on and people are using it all over town. I'll be listening for that. So try to use that word in your... He's xenophilic. You can say that. Try to use that word in your vocabulary this week. It, the two words mean xenophile, love of strangers. It's good that God loves strangers or foreigners because we were foreigners to the covenant and to the promises. That's Ephesians chapter 4. And he loved us. And by the way, we have a lot of foreigners live in Branch County. If we're going to be like God, we're going to love them. He is zenial. Now, I didn't make that one up. That's a real word. You can look that one up. Xenial refers to the friendly relations between a host and his guests. God is our host. Psalm 23, you prepare a table before me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. He is why? Youthful. Now, I know I'm digging deep here, but this is what I mean. God is not an old man. He's not an old man sitting on a throne. You know the picture of God Big, long, white beard, long, white hair. Looks like he's can't, too tired to get up out of that chair that he's sitting in. No, I say he's youthful because he is full of the joy and desire and energy that we associate with youth. Forever youthful. He is, okay, I'm really digging deep on this one, yummy. <laughs> but what does Psalm 34 say? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Once you've tasted, you'll know. Taste and see. And see he's zealous, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Okay, let me tell you a quick story. I've given you right now more than 10 dozen adjectives to describe God. I want to use nine of them. Or they're noun or verb, verbal cognates to tell a story. There is a loving father, that's two of our words, right, who built a beautiful home for his children and provided everything they could ever need to grow into strong, loving, wise men and women. He always intended for his children, it's very important to him, to have a mind of their own. He knew that they could never reach the, their magnificent potential otherwise, but the children ignored their father's instruction, rebelled, and went off on their own. The father never stopped loving them, but the children were estranged, there's another of our words, from him by their past action, but even more by their present rebellion. They even blamed their father for their situation. But their father reached out to them, cared for them as much as they would let him. He sent them messages warning them of the consequences of their actions, but restating his love for them over and over again. The father was remarkably patient, there's one of our words, with them, loving his children in spite of the fact that they didn't love him. Now, there's something else about this father we need to know that makes him special. He's not only a father, he's a king. He is the king. That's another of our words. His kids not only rebelled against their dad, they rebelled against their king and joined his enemies. They were more than wayward children. They were rebels. Yet their father, the king, refused to give up on them. He invited them to come home, not to be punished, but to be welcomed, another of our words. The father sent them many messages while they were in enemy territory. Some of his messengers didn't make, make it back. And finally, he sent his beloved son, who had remained true to him. 
He went into enemy territory. He told the children that even though they'd done wrong, the father would welcome them back. They just needed to take him at his word and come home with him to the father. Everything depended on how they treated the son, how they responded to the son, but most wouldn't come. And worse, the father's enemy and his allies killed the son. But the son knew that would happen. He knew from the beginning that the only way to reconcile, there's another of our words, to reconcile the rebellious children of his father was through his death. He knew what it would cost him. He was willing to sacrifice, another of our words, himself so that his father could be reconciled to his young brothers and sisters. Now, there's more to this story than I have time to give you right now. We, but understand this. Our race turned from its creator and king and went off on its own. This is our story. That's why there is injustice and hatred and bigotry and greed and power-mongering and sexual violence and war. We live in enemy-held territory, but God sent his own son so that we could be reconciled and reconnected to our father and welcomed into his kingdom. Everything depends on what we do with the son, what we do with Jesus. There's no coming to the father apart from him. We don't come on our own terms. The life-giving, life-making, life-doing father loved and loves his obedient, self-sacrificing son and raised him back to life and elevated him to a place above every place. Now, there's more to this story, our story, than I have time to tell. This is the briefest of outlines. We could talk about justification, the action that precedes admittance to God's kingdom. We could talk about rebirth, about spiritual life. We could talk about the truth that Christ Jesus didn't die merely so that you could live after you die, but so that you could be reconciled to the God who is your life. Of course you'll live after you die if you're reconciled to him. How could you not? He's the life giver. He's the life maker. But if you refuse to be reconciled to the one who is life, how could you do anything but die forever? This is our story. The final pages are yet to be written, and they will in part be written in our own hand. If you haven't trusted God's Son and been reconciled to your Father God, you are not yet what you could be, what you're meant to be. You were made for God, and you cannot be you without Him. You're a computer missing its CPU. You're a bird missing its wings. You're a child missing its parents. Of course, life is not right without God. It can never be right without God. How can you live alienated from the one who is life? You need Him. If you don't have him, come to him. And the only way you can, through his son, Jesus Christ. All right, God, hear us. Hear our hearts and our minds. I thank you that you're the welcoming, life-giving, self-sacrificing king. In Jesus' name, amen.